I have a diaper in my purse. Ew, a clean one? It's a clean one. I don't want <laughs> to just carry around a dirty diaper. Let's do an episode. Uh, I kind of felt like we were like doing a little bit of one. That's uh, true. I can at least introduce it before I start talking about <laughs> other stuff. Um, <clears throat> this is Death Actually. <laughs> Hello, I'm Dana. I'm Kylie. I'm Sarah. Okay, there was there was one thing I want to talk about. <laughs> it's not related to uh, anything that this podcast has to do with, and you guys aren't going to be interested, but I'm hoping maybe we have some Dallas people that are we'll do this so i really want to start a game of dungeons and dragons i'm going to dm so i'm going to be the dungeon master which means that i tell the story i've started taking notes i'm like making a campaign right now so if either of you want to play dungeons and dragons with me it'll be really fun why did you say we wouldn't be down you seem because i was like i just said i like anime and you said you don't like it i don't like anime but i like nerdy (laughs) shit Okay, I would well, play yes. Dungeons and Dragons. I okay. play. Oh, yeah. I have a whole flash drive of like manuals that someone at TI yes. gave me. I've never played. I think Chase would probably be because I mentioned once that I found it interesting, like the whole idea and concept of it. Okay. Came back with a shit ton of manuals on a flash drive. People are very go. interested in like preaching the good word about D and D. I'm gonna. Uh, so welcome to our tenth episode. Yeah, welcome to our, our 10th episode. Our big 10. What up? One yeah. zero. Thank you so much for everybody who's listened so far. Um, it's cool to see the numbers keep going up. It's really fun. Super cool. Okay. And uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Bye. Um, that's it for the day. That's it. We did it. Okay. Hooray. All right, so Kylie, give us your give us your spooky story. Uh, well, first, I'm going to... Uh, so... My last story about the Oklahoma City State Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh. skipped an entire line. <laughs> Sarah, uh, Shannon Bald Eagle was murdered. That's why there were two count because it was like she had a friend yeah, two who life sentences escaped and told the story. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there was two girls again taken, and um, Royal Russell Long was. I can't remember if it was he was convicted or if he was just suspected in another case where two girls went missing. Yeah. I've heard that there were like other like fairground kidnappings. Yeah. 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 So like, it was more than just this yeah. one time occurrence. And then Shannon did, did die. Yeah. It seems so, like it's crazy. That he got away with up. like, yeah, I know. I was looking back up at it and I was like, I feel like I didn't get the answer to this <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Just I skipped clarify. an entire line i understand and my no i reading through things once you like start talking it's so easy to like just look away from the page and never look back and then be like oh shit where was i and yeah. just like and then be like ah oh, this sounds fine this yeah right this is fine i did it whatever <laughs> okay thank you for the correction yeah and what you um, got today so i have another like close to home story because like I'm able to find a lot of information on those. She sent um, us a text last night of just a picture of driving by where it happened and said it was yeah. two minutes away from her apartment. So I'm interested yeah. to see what this yeah. is. No, two minutes away from like that, the place I grew up. Oh, okay. And I mean, I live near there now, but so I guess it's like five minutes. 
but um yeah it's literally like across the street from my parents like like my childhood home oh my gosh okay yeah so um please don't go to my house and kill kill my parents (laughs) (laughs) um this happened in my neighborhood when i was like 10 years old like so you remember this happening like no because i was very sheltered okay but my mom was okay yet again thanks susan (laughs) Gave me this. Thanks, Susan. Gave me this story. She was like, "Hey, like you remember this blah blah, blah that happened?" And I was like, "No, Fuck, no." And she was like, "Oh yeah, you wouldn't have been old enough. We wouldn't have told you about that." I was like, "Oh, okay. probably for the best." All right. And so, but it happened when I was ten. There's a forensic files on this, um, which I watched. It's actually pretty good. Um, it's season. I mean, it's good as a forensic files. Forensic files are good. No, yeah, yeah, but they're a different type of good. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not like a fun romp to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so it's, uh, if anyone wants to watch it, it's season 13, episode 2, and it's titled House Hunting. Mm. Mm, it's spooky. It, with it with the good names. Always yeah. good names. Yeah. Okay, so I noticed, the first thing I noticed when I watched it, because you can find it on YouTube. First thing I noticed when I, when I watched it was the narrator says something like Craig's Ranch or like Craig's Ranch, mm. like possessive. And it's just Craig Ranch. Craig Ranch. There's okay. no possessive or anything. My mom does that, but she'll, like, if she's talking about, like, J.C. Penny, she calls it Pennies. Mm. Oh, my mom calls it Pennies all yeah, the time. Yeah, or she calls Belk Belks. And I remember being so mad when I was little. She'd be like, let's go to Hollister's. And I was, I was like, I'm going to lose my shit, Mom. I was like, I'm going to freak out. It's not Hollister's. My and she mom, was like, it doesn't matter. My mom loves J.C. Penney's. And she's always like, you want to go to Penny's? Yeah, my mom was always like, Penny's. That's just <laughs> J.C. Penny. You can call it Penny. But, yeah, I guess the, the name doesn't matter of the neighborhood. Um, Craig Ranch. Yeah. It, so Craig Ranch is like a neighborhood in McKinney, Texas. It's defined as like a higher-end sub like suburban neighborhood wow, look at freaking fancy kylie over here i'm her just explaining it like how what how it is explained on <laughs> forensic files on wikipedia all rich, stuff. It's, rich fancy kylie over here it's okay so <laughs> you're one to talk Dana. it's okay i grew up in a neighborhood that was literally called beverly hills <laughs> it was in Asheville, north carolina what's well, not beverly hills but <laughs> um so Craig Ranch is like this huge thing. So it's like there's different neighborhoods of Craig Ranch. Mm-hmm. Like there's the the settlement. There's the um. So it's like a part of town. Yeah. Okay. Um. There's like the Craig Ranch North, Craig Ranch South, Craig Ranch um. East Craig Ranch. No, Craig I Ranch can't. Dressing. I can't. <laughs> no, I can't. Okay, so there's I can't remember the the neighborhood. Like, I oh god, I looked it up, but um. Did you? It's a different, so my parents and like where I, like my, my stomping ground <laughs> oh my was God. Craig Ranch North <laughs> and Craig Ranch South because you have to cross, um, North and also South Side <laughs> in, um, in Dubuque, Iowa, probably wrong. Sarah Ann Walker was, oh, you for this one? No. She just doesn't like when people have the same name as her. Sarah Ann. get murdered. Oh, see, I thought, okay, so like I was. Thing, I knew, obviously know your name is Sarah, and I know your real name is Anne, but it didn't <laughs> click for me. Because I was sitting there writing this, and I was like, I know a Sarah Anne. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I know Hi. somebody. <laughs> like, and then I was like, well, maybe it was Greg's ex. But I was like, <laughs> I said the name to Greg, and I was like, yeah, Sarah Anne Walker. <laughs> and he didn't say anything. And so I was like, okay, maybe it's not. No. Maybe it's not her. It's- no, it's just literally the person you're about to tell the story to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's me. 
Um, okay, so she was the first of three born to Joe and Carol Walker in 1966. After living in California, El Paso, and Arizona, the family finally moved to Dallas, Texas. Dallas, big D. Yep. Dallas. <laughs> what up? D town. What? Is, I don't know what people call it. I don't either. Yeah. I live here. Okay, so she attended junior high, high school, and college here. So she came out at like a relatively young age. She earned a master's degree in business and was working on a theological degree in 2006. I found this part on like a family, her family's like website for her. Mm -hmm. They said she was looking forward to a Bible study class and um, she was committed to the, like she was committed to reading the Bible. Oh, that's so boring though. (laughs) And um, so on that page, people defined her as a steam engine that never ran out of steam and said that she was basically this amazing person Mm -hmm. that would laugh at all your jokes and filled any room with happiness that's literally everybody that gets murdered i feel like yeah like it's only the people that are like wonderful kind people because i guess it's like the shitty ones are the ones that do the murdering usually yeah Mm -hmm. and um so like i also looked at her pictures and like on top of all of like that like great personality she was like really really pretty Mm -hmm. and um so you're like really pretty yeah. <laughs> Sarah started out early in her career in the real estate world. She first started working in leasing offices and then she moved on to selling homes for well known builders such as Huntington Homes, David Weekly Homes, uh Suven- Souvenir Homes and Highland. That's not a hard that's a, that's just a regular word. You said theological, but you can't say souvenir. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very hit or miss. Okay, I just I second guess myself. Well, I'm, don't because when you don't second guess yourself, you do fine. That's true. Okay, so after the birth of her second son was when she started selling homes for Dr. Horton, which is Craig Ridge. Okay, and um. So say Sarah, the, say that into the mic, Kylie. Which is Craig Ranch? Okay, Craig Ranch <laughs> homes are Dr. Horton homes. I. Until you just said it, I didn't really realize there were, like, companies that built, like, that are, like, big house building companies that yeah. just build a bunch of houses. But like, you knew all of those names, huh? No. You've seen signs. Was. I've seen Huntington, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've seen signs. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably just block it out because I'm like, I'm never going to buy a house. I'm a fucking millennial. I don't have any money. Same. <laughs> Nobody's um, going to give me a loan. We looked at D.R. Horton Homes. Nice. But ended up not buying Anyways, jeez, <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, no. I'm in a good mood today. <laughs> oh, I got a whole four hours of sleep. Hell yeah! <laughs> so you're in a good mood in that you're just losing your mind. I'm all slowly. loopy as shit. <laughs> um, okay, okay. So Sarah was definitely a pro in her field, and she won numerous awards for outstanding sales and she spent a total of 20 years in real estate on a really sad note um her youngest son would have turned four only three weeks after she died Mm. you said she had two kids yeah so on july 8th 2006 pretty sure it's july 8th why didn't you write it down no okay so i wrote it down and then like I was like, I need to go check back, back and check that. And I, as I was reading it, I remembered I didn't <laughs> go back and check it. July 8th, 2006. What up, bitches? Perfect. You did great. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so on July 8th, 2006, a couple decided to tour a model home in Craig Ranch. When they got inside, they couldn't find the salesperson, but as they got further into the home, they saw a trail of blood starting in the living room leading to the kitchen where they found the lifeless body of Sarah Ann Walker. Mm-hmm. So it was like she was there like in the in model, the model home. home waiting for like people to come tour it. And she got, oh, hmm. yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. So furniture and plants were knocked over, showing a clear sign of st- a struggle. And the autopsy would show that she was stabbed 27 times in the heart, neck, head, and upper torso. Jesus. That's excessive. Yeah. <laughs> and in the forensic files, they said, like, the detective said, like, there was so much blood and so many stab wounds. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, it was obvious overkill, like, immediately yeah. as soon as we walked For in. Sure. That there was, like, anger or something associated yeah. with it. It wasn't just, like, yeah, it wasn't a robbery. Well done. <gasps> oh, my God. During the investigation, police obtained a bank surveillance video of Sarah making a deposit. I believe they said like two hours before this, before she was found. Mm. In the video, she's wearing an expensive ring and an expensive watch. Uh, one of the articles said that it was a Rolex. And those two items weren't at her home, on her person, in her car, or at her desk. So that led investigators to believe that the killer had took them. That's why you don't wear expensive jewelry. Yeah, that's not, I mean. <laughs> that's why I never wear my wedding ring. You wear your wedding ring all the time. You wear it at work. Do I have it on right now? You're just at home. Why would you wear it right kidding. now? <laughs> You're out of your mind. <laughs> I was going to say, I saw you wearing it like the last time we re- re- recorded. <laughs> Every time I look at Sarah, she's got her wedding ring on. She's always talking about it. She's always oh talking about God. it. God. This is our intervention for you. Give it a rest. Stop You're freaking talking about You're your ring. You're married. We know. We get it. We're not married. Anyways, <laughs> back to the story. Um, so it was also believed that the killer most likely acted as a buyer, like, to gain mm-hmm. entry. Um, the police were concerned that since the violent nature of the crime, it, like, kind of showed them that he would kill again. Yeah, that he was, And so like, they were, like, really concerned. The crime scene showed that the killer had most likely injured himself as well because he had turned the deadbolt and closed the blinds. Sorry, I put coated the blinds. Yeah, that's what you do. The blinds coated. <laughs> um, so he turned the deadbolt and closed the blinds, leaving his blood behind because he's a freaking idiot. Yeah. That's and a really he, easy way to figure out who somebody is. Yeah. And so then he went to the sink and tried to clean up again. Water doesn't remove DNA evidence. Yeah. So he like he tried to clean up and then again left his blood. Like I saw the crime scene pictures. There's literally like a blood, like watery blood droplet, like on the side wow. of the sink. Like that. nice. He just went when he like went to turn the water off or something. Yeah. It like dripped, and then he also left blood behind on the floor. So like, did she there just was, like fight perfect... back really hard. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She. That's what they. I mean, that's what they said. In the, that's what they figured. They, yeah, because yeah, sure. there was like there, it's clear sign of struggle. So obviously she fought back. Yeah, and then he had cut. Good for her that so, she like you know yeah and made it so he were, left DNA everywhere. There were like perfectly round droplets of blood that like. You know, like blood analysis shows, like it's not it, splatter. It's somebody it's, just it's dripping drop. it. Yeah. yeah, it's drops. It's not from. It couldn't have been from Sarah. Mm-hmm. From the like stab wounds, yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. I wrote. Obviously, he was an idiot and a freaking maniac. Yeah. So the police, um, their first person of interest was Sarah's recent ex-husband, who eventually provided an alibi. Said he was golfing at the time with friends. And then he, since there was so much DNA left behind, he provided his DNA and that ruled him out. That's like 
I'm I'm shocked that it wasn't the ex-husband. Right? That's what I just assume automatically that it is. Yeah, and so um, the autopsy not only showed all of those, like, stab wounds, but it also showed that the killer bit Sarah's neck. Jesus. Wow. Like, hard enough to, like... Leave bite marks. Ugh. Yeah. And then, so... I started writing it on my phone, and then I, like, took a bath, and I was like, oh, I'll write just, like, cliff notes on a piece of paper. And I love it. And then I didn't want to rewrite it, so. Did you use a bath bomb? Or no. bubble bath? That's how you get yeast infections. Lush bath bombs, so they don't give you yeast infections. Oh, well, they're probably a lie. I haven't gotten a yeast infection from one, but, I mean, God, t- only time will tell. <laughs> I have been so depressed that I've been taking, like, four baths a week. The other night I got one, I got this bath bomb that has like, it's two halves that break open and in the middle there's a bubble thing. And I used all three of them in one bath. I kept adding more, like more hot water to it. And I was like, it's, everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, I love baths. Oh God, me too. I hate baths. They make me like sweaty. Like I, I don't even really like say them that, that much. That's true. You do seem like you wouldn't like baths. I don't. They do me make out. me sweaty and like I have to have a drink or else I'm like, I need to get out and need to get out of here. I, I get like ice water and then I always have to take a shower afterwards and like wash my hair because I'm like sweating like in my scalp. It's not cute. But it is it is fun and relaxing. I like it. I like watch some Shits Creek. Oh my god, I've I love it. You do? I really do. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. Okay, so anyways. So the husband and a match and so then the police looked into her dating profile and it was uh, i had never heard of this website until i read this but if i were single i would join it it's called millionaire Mm match.com if only i had a girl we used to work with was on that all the time um so they went and spoke to all the men sarah had any contact with including those she declined dates with all of which provided dna and all were eliminated as suspects hmm Several weeks later, the husband of another agent um, came forward with the information that on the morning of the murder, a man called his wife, claiming to be named Chan Lee, and wanted to see the model home, which just happened to be across the street from the one Sarah was in. Mm. So the agent called the hotel he said he was staying in, and like, she kind of like had a weird feeling about it all, Mm -hmm. and um, was like, kind of fact checking a story. Under the, like, if if he really did answer and really was there, she was just going to be like, oh, like, what time do you want to meet? Like, mm. like that kind of way, like, confirming their appointment. Right. So she did that, and um, she found out that he wasn't registered there, but still agreed to meet him. But she brought her husband with him, or with her. Smart. Yeah. And so when they arrived, an Asian man drove up in a white Mustang, and... When the husband, Nelson, asked if he was Chan Lee, he avoided eye contact. Um, the, the the husband's, like, foreign. So, like, in the forensic file, you know, like, they interview him and he says, like, oh, he looked to the sky. Like, so, obviously, mm. he avoided eye contact. Yeah. And, um, and, and said no and quickly left. Mm. So, the couple went inside to wait for their appointment. And shortly after being there, they saw Sarah arrive at work. When they realized that their appointment wasn't going to show, they decided to leave. And as they were leaving, they saw the white Mustang parked behind Sarah's car. Mm. Yeah. So the couple contemplated going in and saying hi to Sarah, but ultimately decided not to. Nelson said it was because his wife said that she was hungry. Well, I'm sure like I'm sure at the time you wouldn't 
Yeah, you wouldn't really think anything of it. And like, if y'all aren't super close, you wouldn't be like, think to like go inside and be like, hey, you want to come to lunch with us? Or yeah. Something? Or just like, I mean, I, it's weird. Like, it's weird if it's the same but, car that the guy was just like being weird in. Yeah. But I feel like it's so easy to go, oh, I'm oh, being paranoid. Gone in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or just like, I'm being paranoid. Like, it's nothing. Like, I'm sure right. he's just like, was looking at the other house like it was a different guy. And like I feel like it's so easy to like rationalize in your head because yeah. you're like, oh, he's not like some he's not some murderer who's gonna like go yeah. in the house and try to kill me. Like it's that's like crazy. Nobody would do that. Yeah, no way but, that's what this is. So. Yeah, but the police, um, they said that like had Nelson and his wife gone in, like they potentially could have been victims as well. Right. Exactly. And so so they, in the middle the police of- considered Nelson and his wife lucky yeah that they didn't go in Ugh. but i mean i'm sure like that's probably why they waited too is i'm sure they were just like oh my god like we could have we could have stopped it but really they couldn't like there's no yeah. telling if they could have stopped it or not really. yeah but i'm sure there's plenty of people out there that have been like oh well they should have just gone in and yeah but so, then like they yeah. run the risk of themselves being murdered because like this yeah. guy didn't want to be caught yeah exactly like i'm sure i'm i'm just sure there's a lot of complicated emotions yeah around yeah, yeah, being yeah. like fuck um, so the couple left around 1 p.m. and Sarah's body was found about 20 minutes later. Jeez. Damn. So it was like... The police think that it, she was getting murdered while they stood outside. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, since it had been weeks since the murder occurred, police were worried that their only witness might have forgotten important details about the suspect. So they decided to try forensic hypnosis before asking any questions about Sarah or sorry, about the suspect's details or appearance. Um, so Nelson described the suspect as Asian, muscular, about 27 years old, 5'7", and with a buzz cut haircut. Hmm. Police released the sketch to the news, and almost immediately another agent came forward saying that she had rented the man a home, and one night he came to her house asking to use her phone, and when she said no, he got angry and started banging on her door, the agent got so scared that she ended up calling the police. Jeez. Yeah. The police then identified the man as Kasul Chantakaman. Wow. I didn't even, like, write his, like, actual name. Like, how, how it's You just spelled. wrote how I it would be pronounced. The, like, yeah. Smart. So, the police, like, the, that were investigating, the detectives that were investigating the murder, then did a background check on him and confirmed that he drove... A white Mustang. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked as a delivery truck driver and had a history of violence. It was said that from age 15 on that he was in and out of jail. Um, they said that, you know, like he beat a schoolmate at 15 um, so bad that like obviously there were charges pressed on him and mm-hmm. um, that he went to juvie and like he was in and out. Like he like he was just a really violent. Kid. Yeah. So he robbed and kidnapped two elderly women in North Carolina. Jeez. Obviously, he was convicted for that. But then he was released on parole just a mere six months before Sarah's murder. Okay, well, don't do not do that. Yeah, he was in Texas. Like, he got paroled to Dallas because of his, like, his sister lived there. Mm. And she was, like, the only family member that was like, okay, I'll take him in. Like, I'll watch him. Oh, my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's not like she can, like, control him, I'm sure. No, yeah. I mean, he could have lied to her and said that he was at work or something. When questioned, he, of course, denied any involvement in Sarah's murder. Murder. Fair enough. I would, too, I guess, if I was a murderer. Yeah. He might as well just shoot shoot from the stars right right up front. So, Kasul's left hand was covered 
in recently healed scars as if he were in a knife fight. Mm. Yeah. Damn, so she like got the knife away from him at a certain point and like... Or just like... Was able- it was his left hand only, so if he was doing it with his right, like, and trying to like she like was like yeah. pushing it away and pushing him away and mm-hmm. got his hand or something. So police took uh, pictures and dental impressions of Casul's teeth, and then compared it to the pictures of the bite marks Ugh, that were left on Sarah's body. Bit mm. her, you idiot! Horrifying. Yeah. So surprise, surprise! It was a match. Makes and sense. The investigator that took the like that studied the the dental like impressions yeah impressions and the the pictures of her bite mark Mm -hmm. stated that this was the most positive you could be on a match yeah i mean if there's just straight up teeth marks (laughs) yeah like it's very easy to match those also had like from like the pictures they showed, like it looked like he had like kind of like snaggle teeth. Mm-hmm. Had he, he didn't take care of his but teeth, very like so he had yeah. teeth. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like okay, you you know we all have like straight bottom teeth. You know, yeah. like it was like okay, so now we have to look at the the crevices that are right. in our teeth. Mm-hmm. No, it was like this tooth was here, this tooth was there. Mm-hmm. That's the the bite mark. He had twelve teeth that were all spread out, <laughs> yeah, unevenly around his mouth. Yeah, basically, basically. And, okay, so additionally, Kasul's DNA profile matched the blood found on the floor next to Sarah's body. Okay. Lost my spot. Okay, investigators believe that Kasul preyed on female agents because they often worked alone. And they also believe that, like, the agent that had her husband come with her was the original intended target. Yeah, I'm sure. And then when the husband was there, he, w- he realized, like, oh, I can't overpower two of them at the same time or mm. whatever. Yeah, I'm sure he was just looking, yeah, he was looking for a woman that was by herself that he could just, like, surprise. Yeah. Yep. Um. So, in October of 2006, what? <laughs> Kasul was convicted of capital murder. Um. It got, I read that it got raised to capital murder because he stole, like, that's why it was significant that the jewelry was expensive and it was like oh, a Rolex yeah. and like an expensive ring because that, the price tag of those raised it to capital murder does capital murder mean that you can be given the death penalty for it yes okay and he was sentenced to death hell yeah good sounds like he needed it yeah the evidence was so compelling that the defense attorney said that in his opening statement he said my client is guilty and that um but this was a robbery gone bad Mm. um like i don't know if i was to like i don't know try to make him look like Less of a well, yeah. I guess to be like, ass, he's not a maniac. Like he's not someone that's like a psychopath and needs the death penalty. Like it was probably at that point they were just arguing. They were like, just trying to get him to not have death. Yeah, exactly. Because he probably didn't want to. Probably wanted life in prison over death. Yeah, um, I wish I would just choose death. Uh, I don't know. Some prisons seem kind of fun. <laughs> San Quentin seems lit. I guess I couldn't go there because I'm a woman, but it seems fun. Seems like a blast. <laughs> Not really. It seems, um, I mean, the prison system is incredibly harsh and bad. Okay. So, in 2017, Kasul was set to be executed on June, I believe it said 17th. Again, I meant to go back and look, but I didn't. Yeah. No, June 19th. June 19th of 2017. But was granted another stay of, exe- uh, like, another stay of execution. Um, I think that said it was his second one. Hmm. I know execution um, is really expensive. 
They're so a lot expensive of times they won't and they do take it. a long time because you have to exhaust all your appeals. Yeah. So he was granted another stay of execution after his defense attorney argued that the state relied upon discredited forensic evidence, including the bite marks. I don't know. I can't really find anything about how it was discredited. Yeah. I feel or like why bite marks are pretty like. But it's like the same as like getting someone's ide- I like a positive ID on a body for yeah they use their dental for that all the yeah, time dental yeah dental records so it's like why can't you use the same thing for evidence especially when he has like fucked up teeth like mm-hmm. like that yeah and if there's dna like if there's blood evidence you can't really say that's like spurious it's not yeah and so i couldn't find any newer updates since the article that i read about the stay it was pu- uh, published on june 17th 2017 so it was like two days like it was just like announcing that he got that stay mm-hmm. So this case has impacted how realtors work today. Some realtors now have like concealed carry license. Sounds about Texas. Yeah. They carry guns with them. And they're also now apps specifically for realtors so that their appointments and locations are tracked. Um, mm. These apps and safety trainings are after, offered, offered by the Greater Fort Worth Association of Realtors. Chase works at an apartment complex, and he said part of the reason that they take licenses from people is so that in case anything does happen to him while he's showing the apartment, they have the person's license who mm-hmm. he last showed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just, like, I had thought about being a realtor, but, like, that was, like, <laughs> I always thought, like, oh, I'll get murdered. Yeah, I mean. But I, I haven't, like, when we were looking for, like, at houses, there weren't model homes that, like, you could just walk in and, like, there was only one person yeah. in like now there's like two people at least even if they are both female there's still two people yeah i mean it's just it's a lot easier like to attack system, somebody yeah. yeah it's a lot easier to attack somebody if there's like another person there fighting you off like yeah right mm. yeah that was great so, i feel like i've heard of that one before like I mean, once you're talking like, once you're talking about it it sounds familiar i feel like it's one that I- i'm sure has been like talked about a lot because it's so horrifying like yeah it's just kind of shitty that, like, the most recent update is, like, that he still yeah. isn't... He's still on death row. Yeah. Like, he's still alive. But at least if he's in prison, he's not, like, a threat to anyone else. Because right. it sounds like... He sounds like the kind of person that, like, would not stop. No, yeah. Like, he's he would be, like... He would continue killing people well, until he... he escalated. He went from yeah. robbing and kidnapping or, like, they just, like, fights to mm-hmm. robbing and kidnapping to robbing and murdering. Yeah. And, like, was clearly trying to, like, get after people. Yeah, Yeah. that he, like, was, you know, making an appointment with a different person where he had, like, gone to that woman's house that after he rented a home from her, was, like, trying to get, like, get into her house. Yeah, like, he was clearly, like, continuing to do and like yeah. you know, just the amount of like brutality i feel like he would have yeah and like would so have stopped that it like the investigators said that like they think that once the like nelson and his wife like showed up and he realized that the husband was there he mm. was like either sitting there waiting for the husband to leave or just like waiting trying to figure out what he was going to do and that's and then sarah he, got there and then he realized that there was another mm. model home across the street and saw sarah and Ugh. went and decided to go with her that's so scary and it sucks i mean she like I, there's videos like of her talking or like of her interacting with people mm-hmm. on the forensic file and like she seemed so nice so yeah. sweet she was beautiful she i'm was sure she would have been 40, like oh my yeah, gosh she was yeah, 40 years in, old like yeah. well so yeah. they said that like i didn't put it in um but so on the like on the episode they, so they interviewed the sister and the sister said that like 
they know the exact like oh they almost exact time that Kasul came in mm-hmm. because she was on the phone with her cousin and she said, oh, you know, like, I, I can't stay on the phone. Like, I, I got, um, someone just walked in. I can't, I'm not going to be able to stay on the phone. Ugh. And so, like, that's why they think he posed as a potential buyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, and, and so, somebody else walked in, like, 20 minutes later. Like, there was such a, like, small window. Yeah. And it seemed like it was, like, I mean, Craig Ranch, when it first, I mean, even now it's still, like, a highly sought-after neighborhood. But when it first, no, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> No, I'm just so it like it if it's still sought after now. Obviously, like in the two, when it first started being built, and, yeah, and that's know, like right in the housing bubble. Yeah, like 2006 was like right before like the crash where it was like real estate was huge. Yeah, and she was a successful real estate agent. Yeah, so I think that she had probably appointments back to back to back because mm-hmm. Hemingway. That's the neighborhood. Oh, that's the like the sub neighborhood of Ranch. We got there. Um, yeah, and I don't know why that clicked for me just now, <laughs> but I mean that she was probably super busy. Yeah. So, I mean, he had a he had a good ruse. Yeah, and it was good timing that he wasn't like that. He didn't come in at the exact same time as somebody else. Like, like right after lunch. Yeah, she was just like super unlucky that like the the other appointments weren't like right then. Yeah, like it just happened to be that time. Ugh. That's yeah. Really so scary. that's the story of Sarah Ann Walker. I love that women can't just like do their jobs. Exist without the fear of being just murdered. Constant fear of being murdered. I love it. It's super fun. Super cool. Because we didn't record yesterday and we recorded today, I wrote Are a you new doing, story. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Did. You you surprised us. I know. Because I told you I was going to reread something that I already read and we didn't actually uh, publish. I'm going right. to do it one day. So... This is another North Carolina story. This is one that I've been wanting to do for a while. Oh, they're both like kind of like hometowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. This one, this one was like a couple counties over, but I, I like heard about it growing up all the time. So this is the Brown Mountain Lights. So uh, the Brown that already fucked up. Hey, <laughs> are you Kylie? <laughs> okay. Also, I bit my tongue yesterday Excuses. eating a taco. And it literally like, a taco. I was at Torchies and I literally bit like through my tongue. Like, do you ever have you done that where you yeah. like feel it like connect? And then you just want to cry. I literally sat there and I was like, uh, and J- Jacob was like trying anymore. to have a conversation and I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I like got a piece of ice and like put it on my tongue and I was like so pitiful. But yeah, no, I can't. I can't talk and I'm like, I feel like I'm dying. Okay. The Brown Mountain Lights is the name for a series of ghost lights that have been seen in Burke and Caldwell counties in western North Carolina for more than 100 years. Yeah, I never tried to see them because I've always heard it's, like, rare. Like, you don't you don't see them all the time. So I was like, I'm not going to fucking make an effort. Texas, it's, like, probably an hour away. Texas has something like that. They're called the Marfa Lights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. So, like, pro- probably the, like, two most famous ghost lights in the country are the Brown Mountain Lights in Caldwell County, North Carolina, and the Marfa Lights in Marfa, Texas, mm-hmm. which I looked it up. It's, like, very far west Texas. Like, it's, like, in yeah, the, like, It's, like, far eight far. hours. Mm-hmm. Eight hours away. Yeah, I'm sure, sure shit not going there if I didn't go to the one that was an hour away from my house my entire childhood. Marfa's really cool, though. Is like, it? I've never been, but it's a really cool little town. Like, there's, um... There's, like, a little place that looks like a Prada place and, like, the world's smallest, quote-unquote, Target. And it's just this little building. Mm. And they have a bunch of quirky, like, camping grounds and shit That's like cool. that. That's cool. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed like kind of, like, outdoorsy, mm-hmm. like, kind of hippie place. Like I really want to And there's go. some, like, alien stuff that people talk about there. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems neat. But, yeah, so a lot of the – basically anything that's been said about the Brown Mountain Lights has kind of been said about the Marfa Lights, too. Like, yeah. the 
the theories are all kind of the same. So it's interesting because I feel like this is one of the most like plausible paranormal or just like weird phenomena that I've ever heard of. So obviously I'm one to like, I pretty much discount like almost everything. But this one does have things that are hard to explain. And like there are photographs and videos of the lights. And um, while some have been debunked, like some of the videos have been debunked, it's hard to officially like eliminate every single sighting and every single video and every single picture. And like it, there are like really official accounts of it that seem plausible. So let's get into it. Um, oh, also, uh, it was on an episode of, there's like a whole episode of the X-Files about it where there's alien abductions that are like related to the Brown Mountain Lights and uh, Mulder is like, it's fucking aliens. This is kind of off topic, but not really. It's about aliens still. The whole idea of like being abducted and then coming back and like losing losing time Mm -hmm. is so creepy to me yeah i don't i don't like it so lots of people will tell you that the brown mountain lights have been described for centuries and have been around since before electricity and cars but there's not a lot of like real proof of this there's not like written proof there's a german cartographer who in the southeastern united states said that he saw some lights and maybe it was like swamp gas but there's nothing that even really says that that was in brown mountain like i think he might have been somewhere else so eh. so they officially now have a brown mountain overlook at uh overlook 181 uh on the blue ridge parkway that's just outside of morganton and it hopes to attract tourists looking for the lights and has basically they just have this like big sign that gives a few different legends of the lights and it's at an overlook where you can see the lights like you can see brown mountain from it so the like the lights don't actually necessarily happen on Brown Mountain. They happen, like, kind of in the area overlooking that whole hill-like system. But they're usually lights that are, like, white, yellow, or red and are seen kind of floating above the horizon at night, usually around, like, 10 o'clock. So the sign on the overlook reads, For hundreds of years, people... Ha- I'm going to start over. <laughs> For hundreds of years, people have seen mysterious lights floating above Brown Mountain. According to Cherokee legend, in 1200, the Cherokee fought a great battle near Brown Mountain against the Catawba Indians, and many warriors died. The lights are said to be the spirits of Cherokee maidens who search in vain for their loved ones. The sign also reads, A more recent legend says the lights are caused by the spirit of a heartbroken woman searching the mountain at night by torchlight looking for her fiancé who failed to come for her on their wedding day. Another legend tells the story of a young mother-to-be murdered by her wicked husband. The lights materialize to help neighbors find the young woman's body and still appear today reminding evildoers that their crimes will be revealed. There's also a bluegrass song uh, by Scotty Wiseman about the Brown Mountain Lights, which has been covered by groups like the Kingston Trio and the Yonder Mountain String Band. Have you heard of either of those? Mm -mm. Okay. They're, they're famous. Um, Not really that much then. The Kingston Trio is like the most famous bluegrass band, but it's like awful. It's from if, like the 70s. If Kylie and I haven't heard of them, they can't be that famous. Yeah. You guys okay, like. But like I do like. Bluegrass. Mm, some of them. I like bluegrass. Um, Trampled by Turtles is really good, but they're from like fucking like Maine or something. Nobody. It's okay. I'm, I'm not going to complain right now about fake fucking Scots-Irish music fans. Uh, and Yonder Mountain String Band is like a more modern cover. Like they're a current band i think kingston trio at least one of them must have died by now um so (laughs) the the brown mountain lights song story hasn't really aged as well as the others uh here are the lyrics to the chorus sing it i'm i well i don't know the (laughs) tune high on the mountain and down in the valley below it shines like the crown of an angel and fades as the mist comes and goes 
Way over yonder, night night after night until dawn, a faithful old slave come back from the grave, searching for his master who is long, long gone. Wow. And the story is that, like, he was a great master and he went missing and the slave went out and looked for him. And it's like, "Mm, mm." the slave killed him. That hasn't aged well. That's not like that's not like a fun story anymore. That's like a <laughs> yikes. Um very problematic. Hashtag problematic. However, for all these legends, there isn't any solid written account of the lights until nineteen thirteen, when the Charlotte Observer published a story describing the phenomenon and giving possible explanations for it. The article describes the lights as occurring on a regular basis at the same time every night. So from the from the article With punctual regularity, the light rises in a southeasterly direction from the point of observation just over the lower slope of Brown Mountain. First about 7.30 p.m. Shit, I forgot I printed this (laughs) double-sided. I was like, oh my god, where's my story? You're very I was like, oh, Jesus. (laughs) First about 7.30 p.m., again about 20 or 30 minutes later, and again at 10 o'clock. It looks much like a toy fire balloon, a distinct ball with no atmosphere around it. And as nearly as the average observer can measure it, about the size of the toy balloon. I don't know what a toy balloon is. A toy fire balloon? That's not a modern thing. Uh, it's like the size of a beach ball is what I've like heard people say. Maybe that's what a toy balloon is. In 1913, a representative for the U.S. Geological Survey named D.B. Sterrett was asked to come to the area to investigate the Brown Mountain Lights. After only a few days' investigation, Sterrett determined that the lights were in fact only train headlights refracting off of dust or mist in the atmosphere and... Uh, basically refracting up so as to appear above the horizon. This explanation certainly makes sense, but it was called into question after the flood of 1916. Two hurricanes hit western North Carolina back-to-back, leading to over 50 deaths and an almost complete electrical blackout in the area. For several weeks, no trains or cars could pass through the area since the tracks and bridges were all washed out, but somehow the lights were still spotted as usual. Hmm. The mystery deepened, and in 1922, yet another USGS researcher, George Rogers Mansfield, was sent out to investigate. So I read the whole 1922 report. It's like, it's pretty short. And I have to say, this investigation sounds like so much fun. I wish that I could do this for my job. In the opening section of the report, where Mansfield thanks everyone for their assistance, he describes staying up after midnight for several nights with the locals. They would, like, set up tents and hang out in, like, cabins. They'd, like, go out and, like eat snacks and watch for the lights and he went out with people who had who lived in the area and had observed the lights before basically getting them to confirm which sightings were actually the lights versus something else yeah so it's interesting that at this point there were near constant observations of the lights and i think mansfield was correct in concluding that the majority of the lights seen were either train or car headlights so like i've said now everybody always says it's really really rare to see them um but at the time it was like you would see them every night like all the time do you think it's really rare to see them now because of the like growth that's the thing is i'm like i can't i don't know enough about physics to answer this question but i was like would it be more should it be more common because there's more cars or would it be less common because there's so much light pollution that it it might not like you might not be able to see it i think it might still like if it is like reflection of like lights on like cars or trains or whatever i think that it because of the light pollution, yeah, it wouldn't. Be yeah, to, you could. It just couldn't you wouldn't be able to see it. To see it. Mm-hmm. And I, regardless whether whatever is causing it, the light pollution. Probably yeah, that's is. true. You won't. You just wouldn't be able to see lights as much, no matter what. That is true. That's the most common theory too for the Marfa lights. Also, is mm-hmm. that it's just like headlights, headlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically like it's not exactly the same, but like when you see an orb in a photograph, it's kind of that where light will like kind of like that's because it's like 
I don't fucking know. I'm not going to even just try to say why, but it looks like that where it's like light is reflecting off of like particles in the air, like dust Mm -hmm. particles. And it looks like something's hovering, but it might just be like, it's a headlight, but it's looks like it's in the sky because it's been reflected. So refracted, whatever. As far as the flood in 1916, where all the trains and cars were wiped out, Mansfield argues that some of the cars were still operating in Marion, which is a nearby town that can be seen from the uh, overlook, and that these could still be seen during the after the flood of 1916. So when all the roads in the area were washed out, there were still some like main streets and stuff in Marion and Lenore and like other towns where you could technically still see headlights. But it is interesting that they were still seen like at the exact same frequency, and you know it's yeah. it's. If it's being, if it was still seen at 10 p.m. every night or whatever, then obviously that wasn't the train going by. Yeah, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, is it in the same exact spot every day? No. So, what's what's weird about them is that there's very different records of what they look like. So some of them are just like a light flashing in one place, not flashing, but it'll like stay there for a little bit, go off come back in the same place go off Hmm. then there's other sightings that are like there's a uh, like it's floating orb it's a floating orb that's like going across then comes back then goes up again like and and doesn't really follow a path of anything there was another guy that was talking about he saw one that was like a, a light came along it split into two moved apart came back together like Closer to, like, what you would think of as, like, UFO sightings. Like, yeah. stuff that can't... Doesn't really match what trains do. Wait, so what are, what is the difference between this stuff and the Northern Lights? Like, what are the Northern Lights? So the Northern Lights are... It's particles from the sun's radiation that hit the magnetic field of the Earth. And so that shows up as, like, those kind of long, like, streaks of yeah, light. Yeah. This is not that because we're we're too far south like you can't ever see the the lights okay so it's like very different from the like, yeah. explanation this is like a work this is like this. a point or like a ball of light like this is something okay. that like is a it looks like a like a beach ball made of light like okay. floating around mm-hmm. what mansfield concluded is that out of all the lights he observed while he was investigating the brown mountain lights uh, he estimates that 47 percent were train headlights 33% were car headlights, 10% were brush fires, and 10% were stationary lights on the mountain. I think that this is a good ep- explanation for almost all of the lights, although it's, oh, and this is what I said, that, like, it's weird to me that the likelihood of spotting them has decreased so much. If, like, we've got way more electrical lights, and we've got stationary lights, and we've got all this stuff. But it also might be that people are just less, like, easily convinced of things. Yeah. Like, if you see a train headlight you're gonna be like that's a train like versus thinking it's like you know because trains were only put in in like 1909 and so suddenly seeing all these lights like refracting above the horizon would be really weird if you'd never seen that before yeah so there have been other explanations given for the lights although pretty much all of them have been discounted uh so let me just list the other ones that mansfield gives in the usgs article Will-o'-the-wisps or swamp gas combustion. Foxfire, which is actually just a word for phosphorescence of decaying matter or fungi. Radium, a reaction between hydrogen sulfide and lead oxides. Lead oxide. 
moonshiners flashing light signals at one another or sending paper lanterns up to stop people from coming near their land, St. Elmo's fire, which is an electrical discharge, ball lightning, mirages. Uh, And then some of the modern day explanations uh, after, obviously, these things were invented are people riding four wheelers around the uh, mountain. Like people ride a four wheeler like all over the mountain. Um, People are fucking crazy. Or motorcycles. And then hikers with flashlights, if you point them up at someone, it'll look like a light. So what's interesting is nowadays, a lot of the observations of the, like, supposed observations of the Brown Mountain Lights aren't over the horizon. It's people seeing lights, like, on the mountain itself, like, moving around, which is not what it originally was. And those are, like, probably just people, like, riding ATVs. Yeah. Um, Or even the hikers with the lights and Mm -hmm. stuff. That makes sense, too. Yeah. Uh, and then also, like, UFOs and ghosts have been brought up as an explanation, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't really, like, I don't, I don't really I don't believe that. I don't the ghost thing. I mean, I don't really... I don't believe... I don't really believe in UFOs, but... Yeah. I mean, anything is possible, but I, yeah. I, I definitely don't buy the ghost story. Yeah. Like, why would ghosts... Okay, one, I be mean, lit up like that on the horizon. Yeah. I believe in, like, aliens and UFOs and ghosts and stuff like that, but I don't think... Yeah, I, I think, don't think the ghosts for sure. Like, no. yeah, I think aliens are real, but like the they ha- way they that, have to be. Yeah, for sure. I don't know that they've come to Earth, but I think that they exist, obviously, somewhere. I know we're too we're stupid. They don't yeah, wanna, exactly. They're like, oh, I'm not interested. I don't in even want to um, talk about that. <laughs> but just the the description of it, where it's like a light kind of moving around, but it's often. I don't really feel like it's like would be aliens in the way that they're usually described, like. Usually, if you see, like, a UFO, it's like you see it once, and it doesn't come back. This is, like, it's all the time. It fucked up, and it knows it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're like, oh, no, I got so- I got seen. Like, it's it's I not got, that. I got seen. I've been I've been seen. They seen me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I, like, I definitely believe that almost all of the observations of the lights are just headlights. Like, that makes sense. And I understand, like, if it's refracting up, it's going to look different than if you're just seeing it straight out. And what the uh, Mansfield did in 1922 was he actually took measurements of where all of the lights were seen. And then he mapped that back like two days later to train movement. And he was like, okay, all of these that we were seeing, except for like a couple were trains coming through at this time of night. So they matched up. Mm -hmm. He was like at nine 53 PM, there's always a train that's supposed to arrive in like Morganton. And at nine 52, we saw these lights and the guy with me was like yeah that's what they usually look like so it's like a lot of them he definitively proved that they were headlights so that's what most of it was and that's the thing i mean if you're seeing lights like constantly at this at 10 o'clock every night right like yeah it's a train it's the train that comes it's the 10 o'clock train (laughs) makes sense but the thing that kind of like hooks me for this is that there are people who have seen the lights close up so I was going to ask, like, mm-hmm. can they go to the area right where so, the lights are? So in the in the 1922 survey, uh, Mansfield underlines the statement: "No one has actually observed the light on Brown Mountain when he himself was on that mountain." That is not the case anymore. So there's this like really beautifully written article that I really like uh, in Our State Magazine, which was published in 2014 by Lee Ann Hennian. And it describes a group called the Brown Mountain Lights Research Team. They get together regularly and they talk about the lights and they look at the lights. So they'll like they'll They're meet like at a fan club. Uh huh. They'll like meet at somebody's house and they'll like give PowerPoint presentations about the lights and then they'll like <laughs> they'll go out on the like overlook and go look for them and stuff. And it's very sweet. I'm gonna need 
PowerPoint presentations from now on. For <laughs> I would love stories. that. Oh my God. I saw this thing. I want to do it so bad, but I don't know if I could get enough people to do it with me. It's a party idea, but you have everyone put together like a five minute presentation on something they're really passionate about. And then you have everybody like give their presentations and just like sit around and drink and like do a PowerPoint on like the legend of Zelda or something. <laughs> like just give like a, like a PowerPoint presentation. I think it seems so fun. I would love to do that. Maybe that'll be my birthday present is oh I'm going to make everybody prepare slides and bring them to me. All Don't right. invite me. Rude. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You'd be like, mine's on Philadelphia. Mm, Philadelphia. My- <laughs> You're like, okay, here we go. It's the Liberty Bell, which is. <laughs> well, no, I got it. The- I got it. You got it. The last one, like, I can't even say Philadelphia. And I was like, you did. You just did it. So all of these different people in the Brown Mountain Lights research team have different motivations and experiences that bring them there. So one of the members, whose name is Debbie Glover, has a completely different story of the lights. She was at Wiseman's View, which is another overlook, when an illuminated ball of energy rose from below, just 10 feet away from where she was standing. She says it was this large. It was the size of a basketball. It was a yellowish light, and it had an aura, it had an aura around it. I didn't feel any heat coming off of it. It didn't have an odor. Everybody started backing up when they saw it. So she was in a group of like five people and all of them saw a a light rise up 10 feet ahead of them and float around and then go away. That's weird. Yes, it is. She says she doesn't necessarily believe in paranormal explanations for the lights, but she does say that when she saw this, she and her sister were there together, which was unusual, and that their mother had died only a few months before. So she was like, I don't believe in the paranormal necessarily. She was like, my neighbors that were there with me, obviously, like, there's no significance of my mother dying to them. But it is weird that it was just a couple months afterward. It was just a couple months. Jesus Christ. It was just a couple months afterward and that that she was with her sister when she didn't usually, like, go out with her sister. Two rangers with the U.S. Forest Service have also reported similar observations, also at Wiseman's view. So C.W. Smith and Les Burl were responding to a call when they say they both saw a light rise up about 30 feet in front of them. And uh, they said they like looked at each other and were like, do you see that? Like, is that is that a light? Is that like because they didn't they didn't care about the brown lights. They'd never seen them. Both of them saw it and were like, OK, that's definitely what that is. Burl described it as looking like an indistinct candle. Then another light rose up and joined the first. They floated for a while and they slowly just faded out to nothing. So both of them described them as kind of like a yellowish like light. And then there's Dr. Daniel Caton, who is a professor of physics and astronomy at Appalachian State University in nearby Boone. So App State's like a it's a pretty big school. It's like one of the bigger ones in North Carolina. He says that he was motivated. Jeez, motivated. 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 <laughs> he says he was motivated by stories. He says that he was motivated. i'm done there's literally like a paragraph left and i can't you want me to read it for you yeah it'll be great (laughs) he says that he was motivated by stories of close encounters like these to do his own research on the lights he set up two separate cameras at a private home in the area known for views of the lights and watched the footage every night to see if there were any anomalies so for years he would he basically set these two cameras up um he had two so that if one was like a lens flare like if you didn't see it on both you would know that it wasn't real and he just had it like every 30 seconds every night. He has it take a picture. You can actually go online and you can look at a live stream of it. And he has it just going all the time. Um, and then he posts on YouTube like compilations where they speed it up. And so I read this article that was published in like June 2016. 
And he was like, I'm about done with this. Like, I'm getting really frustrated. I feel like maybe the lights don't exist because I've been up there looking at these videos for two years and I haven't seen anything. And like, I'm just, you know, like I'm, I'm done looking at it. And then like a month later, he got a video with lights in it hmm. and was like, this is the first time I've seen anything that I actually thought was like anomalous. So he hasn't talked more about like what he actually thinks it was. But he had he you can see the video online and I took I have a picture here of from the video, um, but he just describes it as like an anomaly in in the video. Both of the cameras caught the lights, so it wasn't just a lens flare. And they covered they hovered for around a minute over the lights of the towns in the valley, then disappeared. So maybe like max two minutes of them like on and off. And these are ones where it pops up in one place, holds there, turns off, pops up again same place turns off it pops up like three times in the exact same place which it's like my first thought was like it's like it's cell tower or something but you would see that i mean if it's a cell tower you would always do that yeah yeah and if it's like a train or a car like it why would it not not really move yeah and if it's an airplane it can't just stay there so it's it's (laughs) just this airplane like yeah just hovering just to (laughs) piss people off so the fact that there's like modern images of the lights is what really gets me is it's like if we can't explain these like if a literal professor of physics and astronomy can't explain what this is then there is something weird going on so he thinks it's ball lightning which is what a lot of people say for like ufo sightings that it's uh like basically it's just a ball of energy that kind of looks it doesn't look like lightning really and it can kind of move around and float and look weird but it's really rare um, people say that the the earth around Brown Mountain, so North Carolina is on like a fault line, but maybe the fact that the fault line shifts like mm. kind of revs up like electrical discharge and that makes it. But I don't know, maybe like it, I, it doesn't seem like that likely that it would be seen that often. So it's, it's weird. Just, it's super I think weird. the professor knows what it is from that image he caught and the same people that did Area 51 shut him down hell yeah it's true he's just been he's been replaced by a robot in a wig um he has a really he has quite a head of hair it is <laughs> interesting and then i also wanted to just shout out north carolina ghost.com again because i love them and i like every time i'm looking for a story from north carolina i'm like oh hell yeah like north carolina ghost.com they're great so i was just shouting them out and then i also have pictures so the first picture it kind of looks like a like swoosh in the air it's a time-lapse image so the actual video you see a light float up into like the center of the frame it moves back and forth a little bit it moves in like a little tiny figure eight and then it goes up around over and then it fades out okay in the left of the frame weird Weird. that's not a train Mm -hmm. and then the one underneath of it is the in like the center left of the frame at the very top there's just like a weird light at the top that doesn't look like because the rest of it's it's just town lights but at the top of the frame there's one that was the one that was labeled as anomalous so i'll show you these and then we'll put these on the instagram as well um because these are the probably the most like known images of the brown mountain lights Hmm. and then so the the one on top was also in color so you can it's like yellowish kind of and you can see it on like the dark blue background of the sky so like it wasn't even like full night and it's like you can see it floating around and the so are all the lights yellow have they all been described as yellow 
sometimes they're descri- described as red. I've heard them described okay. as red a few times. Which red would also, I feel like, not point to it being headlights. Unless it's like brake lights, I guess. Mm, um, yeah, but even then. Yeah. So uh, it's usually yellow or red, sometimes white, sometimes like slightly bluish. Uh, yeah. It looks like it's just the moon. But it's not as it's not big enough to be the moon. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like he's a researcher, so he was he was talking about like uh this guy Daniel Caton. He has had people go out walk around Brown Mountain with flashlights so they can see what that looks like. They've seen like military planes that fly really low go over it so they can see what that is they've had people go out with like four wheelers and drive around so they can see what those look like Just, like test everything mm-hmm. they've tested everything and he was like this is the first thing that i've seen that i couldn't explain hmm. so this one's from him no the bottom one's from him so that's the that's the live stream camera that they have up that one is- the bottom one is the live stream camera they have set up and it's like it's hard to, i feel like it's hard because they only record in black and white and it's really low res so like mm, yeah it's you can't really tell much from that yeah you can't tell what it is because there's literally lights all over the ground so it's it's kind of hard to describe like it's, it's describe what you're seeing the top one was a professional photographer who um is just like an enthusiast and he went out like night after night basically and saw this light and took a video of it um and his is like a pretty high-res camera and like i can find the video actually tic-tac yeah. <laughs> oh, has gum now hell yeah They've been having that. <laughs> They've been having that. It's basically just like a sped up version of the actual video. But it shows what it did. But it did that really slowly. Hmm. A round ball of light. They all have really, really like Appalachian accents. Yeah. I really like that one because I, I love like paranormal or like weird phenomena that it's like, no, literally like you, we don't know what it is. We still if, don't know what it is. If Dana can't explain it, then... If Dana believes it, it at least it's, like, somewhat plausible. <laughs> or it really points to Dana not understanding physics. Because Dana doesn't believe anything. Yeah, it's true. I don't. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope it wasn't too long and too much talk about just, like, the lights. I thought it was fun. <laughs> um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Death Actually Podcast. Um, on Twitter, we're at Death Actually on Facebook, we have a group and a page. Both of those are Death Actually Podcast. Go check out our website. It's deathactuallypodcast.com. Um, we do have all the episode descriptions and photos and links up there. And my brother also added a fan art page because we got our fan art. Which is so, very exciting. Yeah, Carson, that's up there. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much. If you have any questions or anything or just want to reach out to us, you can also always email us at deathactually at gmail.com. I've got it on my phone, so I'll see it. Oh, also. um, So do I. (laughs) Yeah. He added the uh, fan art on our website and he um, added at linked. He didn't link it. (laughs) He added? (laughs) But it's (laughs) he put um, Carson's Instagram on there. It's his art page and I looked at it. He has a lot of really cool stuff. Oh wow. Okay. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Alright. So yeah. Thank you so much for listening and we will uh, hit you with another episode next week. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Stretching. It's always such It's always stretching. Last last episode, it was I had the hiccups, and I was like, "Just end it." Just end it. Rufus, say bye. Rufus, say bye. Oh God, no. Oh, Rufus. Don't lick my face.